Welcome to Kids and Their Reboot. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal Cassidy, and my pronouns are she and they. I'm Lava, they, them. And we are once again joined by very special guests. Please reintroduce yourself as you would like to be reintroduced. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Lindsay, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? <laughs> I'm Lindsay of Not If I Reboot You First, and I use uh, she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm Tanner, also of Not If I Reboot You First. My pronouns are they, them, and I think I look pretty good for 27 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost 28. Ah. <laughs> hey, at least I don't have to worry about the dread encroachment of our 10-year high school anniversary anymore oh, because school doesn't exist. Thank, thank God. Although I, I, <laughs> I know you hate when I tell you this, Lindsay, but I really do want to enact some kind of anniversary because the main purpose of a high school anniversary is to find out who turned out to be queer after all this time. Fine. <laughs> yeah, I. That's that's the only reason I've considered getting on Facebook. Because it's the only tie I have to anyone from that, that time period in my life. Yeah, I looked up a classmate from middle school one time who made fun of me for being gay. And apparently now he's like the head, or at some point he was the head of his university's uh, gay, the straight alliance or something. So <laughs> turnabout's well fair play, I guess. <laughs> well then. And so after this wonderful intro, uh, has, have y'all had any Scooby-Doo developments in your life? In the past, you know, 12 months. <laughs> I mean, I watched Scoob with you. This is true. Uh... I'm I'm partially just buying time to see if there was any Scooby-Doo news. <laughs> any Scooby-Doo developments? Yeah. Scooby-Dooby developments. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. What's the news? <laughs> We've got a thing to share now. Oh, wait, oh. what? Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Is this real? Is this for real news? I am deeply I, curious. I can't tell if this is for real news. Sorry, I think there's a movie announcement. And that's the thing I'm trying to figure out. Well, uh, is it an official thing or is it something from like comicbook.com or it's like Scooby-Doo 2 is a film that could exist because there was this first one no it was like one of the DVD things that and I'm trying to figure out if it's for real it is for real there's a trailer and everything wow hmm okay so that's contradicting to news I've mentioned before but you know what that's fine Um, I guess I'll go ahead and drop drop that news then. Uh, apparently they announced a new Scooby-Doo DVD movie for release this October. Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo. Ooh. Let's see. Um. Okay, let me read oh you the gosh. description from the youtube video of the trailer from warner brothers entertainment 
Scooby-Doo and Shaggy's, sorry, hashtag Scooby-Doo and hashtag Shaggy's favorite holidays upon us with fake monsters <laughs> and candy galore. Hashtag Halloween is heaven for these hungry foodies going door to door. But this year, their sweet holiday turns sour when the neighborhood pumpkin patch is infected by toxic ooze, creating high-flying jack-o'-lanterns and a king-sized pumpkin leader squashing everything in its path. It's up to Scooby-Doo and the gang as they team up with their pals Bill Nye, sorry, hashtag Bill Nye the Science Guy, and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, to solve Wait, this mystery of gigantic... <laughs> no. Oh <my laughs> to God. solve this mystery of gigantic proportions and to save Crystal Cove. Well then. Okay. Science rules. <laughs> sorry, uh, I, w- I went a bit further down in the description. It's like about Warner Brothers Entertainment. At Warner Brothers Entertainment, we believe in the power of story. From classics to contemporary masterpieces, explore and watch a library full of extraordinary, stirring, and provocative entertainment that goes beyond the big screen. Subscribe to discover new favorites from the studio that brought you Friends, Joker, The Conjuring Universe, and The Wizarding World of Harry Potter, TM. What a variety of things to list as you are the studio of fun for the whole family goodness wait Warner Brothers owns friends yeah okay that one made sense to me (laughs) wait hang on is Warner Brothers a studio behind NBC Uh... I, I, I would not be surprised if they were NBC. So I was assumed that NBC was just kind of like free, not not really attached to any specific studio. Uh, it's owned by NBC Universal and oh, is a subsidiary Universal. of Comcast. Okay. okay. It's one of the big three television networks. Okay, so what you're saying is that if there was a Friends reboot, it air on the CW. Yeah, I guess. I guess that sounds correct. Huh. I guess y'all have to keep that one in mind. I mean, we did have a Friends reboot episode. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That one was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. All I remember from it was Chandler was actually gay and we replaced Ross with his lesbian ex-wife. Yes. Nice! Both good decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'll have to watch this trailer later. I'm baffled. <laughs> Can't believe we got to be here for breaking news. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Breaking news that is also not the news I was expecting when I saw a new Scooby-Doo movie announced. Because forever ago, we saw like found like some weird side news that like was like, oh, maybe this is what the next one was because they talked about it somewhere. <laughs> Which was uh, that- Scooby-Doo and the Round Table or something like that. Oh, that'd be dope as hell. Yeah, it, that's what I was expecting to be this year's other Scooby-Doo movie. But no, apparently it's Elvira and Bill Nye the Science Guy. And you know what? That's fine. Yeah, that is Why fine. Not? Okay. Uh, is there any other stuff we need to talk about before I start giving the rundown on what movie we watched this month? Oh, we have a bunch of questions. That, yeah, there's that's questions. That's that's important. Look, I'm all sorts of out of whack already. <laughs> That's okay. Good. That, that was the intention of recording this podcast right after Nerif 
so that we're a little bit more slap happy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the re- yes, exactly that reason. No, and now unfortunately, since I'm a guest, I wasn't able to submit any topic derailing questions. So we're gonna have to see how the questions turned out for this time. Uh, they they got there. They got there for sure. <laughs> I think Good. there's a lot but, of them. But if you feel like it didn't, feel free to ask us any more questions you might have. Well, no, because I have to save those. I, I have to put them back in the dock for the next episode where I'm not a guest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you have a dock of questions to ask us? Not a full dock. It's just a note page. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Uh, so our first batch of questions comes in from Ryan, Black Lives Matter on Twitter, at Vagabond Haunted. Oh, hey, Ryan. Uh, yeah. That's a name I recognize. Uh, first question. If Mystery Incorporated had individual Digimon, who would they be? Now, this is something that I have to show that I don't actually have all that much Digimon knowledge. I just really, really like Digimon the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Hmm. I don't... I know specific Digimon. I don't know the entire cornucopia of digimon okay well based off of personalities i'm gonna because the digimon what eat a lot i'm gonna say is gilmon so we can give gilmon to shaggy because gil shaggy and uh, or gilmon shaggy and scooby would get along real well together i believe all right question here's a question i have because you started with those two um do they get do they share a digimon or do they each get one is scooby-doo a digi destined Oh, that's... Well, last time we were here, we established that Scooby-Doo was a person who required a ticket to the moon. Yes. So, yes, Scooby would get a Digimon. But since Scooby's an animal, Scooby would need a really humanoid Digimon? Yes! But the only humanoid Digimon I can think of is Lucimon, who is the fallen angel Lucifer. Hang on. See, the first one I thought of was Andromon, who is, like, the iron giant but had flesh. Oh, that's also a good one for Scooby. I thought Leomon. Oh, yeah! Leomon, yeah. yes! Yes! <laughs> and then he dies there we halfway go. through. <laughs> Tragic, really. Um, I want one of them to have Karamon, uh, which is the rookie form of Diaboromon. Um, my gut instincts had to give it to Velma because Karamon was originally a computer virus that ate the entire internet. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that does make sense. Um, Daphne can have Palmon because she's the girly one, mm. and then Fred. I feel like Fred would have a real baby of a Digimon. Maybe I Fred think... would have. Maybe Fred has Wormmon. <laughs> Maybe I. I was thinking something like um. A digging one. What, what a one that digs holes. A trapping uh, Digimon. Yeah, like the armadillo one. Armadillo mon. Yeah. Did you know that armadillos don't come from Australia? Yeah. yeah. I I learned earlier this week that they're from the southern states and like South America. I've spent most of my life thinking armadillos came from Australia. Oh. Aww. Oh, honey. <laughs> It's great. It means that I can meet an armadillo without having to go to Australia. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. 
Just go to Florida. They're all over the place. <laughs> Listen, Australia is just like that. You look at a creature like the armadillo and you say, but they look like they're from a, you look at armadillo with, it's like it rolls into a ball and it's got the big ears and the snoot and it's like, hey, you look like you're from Australia. You mostly do see like pictures of armadillos in desert environments, so I get it. Um, I get it. Uh, I think that covers that question. <laughs> I think we've answered that question by talking about armadillos. Yes. Um, so, next question. How would you teach Daphne from Velma and Daphne to live like common people? Hmm. How would I teach her oh. what common people do? I think... I take her to a supermarket. <laughs> I don't know why I'd start this there, but I've got to start it somewhere. I mean, so I'd start it there. I can see that because supermarkets don't have caviar. Yeah. 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 That's true. Oh. And like, I'd tell her. Do. I'd tell <laughs> yeah. her pretend you've got no money, and then she'd just laugh and say, "Oh, you're so funny." And I'd say, "Yeah," because I don't see anyone else smiling in here. <laughs> um. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't think I have an answer to this one. Because, like, every answer I have is just like, no, she would just, I don't know, do something else. Yeah, because cool, like, I think, I think the movie demonstrates that she can actually adapt to common people life real well. I just recognize the fact that th that was a waxing lyrical prompt. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like, I'm trying to think, like, well. You can't be like, ah, oh, this is how common people live here at the mall, you know? Yeah, I think the, like the only real hurdle she has is the concept of money. Yeah, that. How much could a banana cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. Hmm. S go camping. <laughs> yes. I guess. Go ca go tenting in the once every fifty years storm, and have the fire extinguisher explode in your trunk, and all the food gets wet, oh, and then god. you wake up and your tent is full of pill bugs. Oh god! <laughs> go mm, camping, and every bad. single time you put up the tent, you get you're basically flooded out. Yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so my dad and my brother and I. We're on a road trip and we wound up at Yellowstone National Park and my dad suggested, hey, let's just pitch the tent in the park for the night and we'll spend the night in there and then we can explode the park tomorrow morning. Immediately after he makes, this, makes that suggestion, there's a clap of thunder and we're like, nope, gotta find a hotel. Okay, so last question here from Ryan is, if Velma were a Sailor Scout, what celestial body would she be named after? I'm gonna say Ganymede. Yeah. I was thinking maybe she'd be Haley's Comet. Also a good choice. Maybe she'd be... I don't... Maybe not Vesta. How about Pallas? It's one of those um, dwarf planets. Right now, that one's hmm. already taken. Hmm. I don't know. Wait, so if, if there's a scout for every single thing in the sky, could you be a sailor scout of a satellite? Like a man-made satellite? Hmm. I mean, 
Velma can be Sailor Hubble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, okay. I dig it. Alright. See who's next on this list. Alright, we have some here from Christina Woods at Sea Woods Art. Hi, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hi. Uh Question number one is which of one of the Scooby gang has the most practical life skills? I'm going to say Shaggy right off the bat. Yeah, because Shaggy... Yeah, Shaggy's kind of a jack-of-all-trags. At the very least, he can cook. And he probably knows how to... (laughs) Okay, wait. I just remembered... (laughs) So I just remembered my first thought when I first read this question is, what if they each have... That kind of skill that combined they make one functional adult. <laughs> that sounds about yeah. right. I was gonna say like most variants of Daphne are pretty like oh, I have a lot of life skills. Super skills. Yeah. Yeah. I would say to make one functioning adult out of all of the Scooby gang, Shaggy Cooks. Uh mm-hmm. I would say Daphne is the budget person. Uh, Fred. Fred can fix stuff. Velma is more of the computer fix stuff, where I would say Fred's more of the. changes the tires. Mm-hmm. And then Scooby. Seems to have his head on the swivel the most. <laughs> yeah. He he does the schedule. Yes. He's he's the minister of external affairs. <laughs> Scooby Doo is actually very good at doing taxes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Scooby Doo does do the taxes. <laughs> and by their powers combined, they form a regular person. Well, if all five are combining, the former regular person that just happens to have, like, dog ears and a tail, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, question number two here is, what's your favorite recipe to cook? Um, I actually have a few that I really like that I've made. Um, One, I did a a burger that was a blend of beef and chorizo, and every time I do it, it's delicious. Mm -hmm. Um... I enjoy making like a, a baked pasta dish, like a baked ziti or a lasagna. And the last time I made a shepherd's pie, it was amazing. I am not great at cooking, um, but the few times I've baked, those have gone fairly well. Um, and I have a recipe for, technically it's a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, but really it's like, put two cups of anything in here and they will be absorbed into the cookie power. And so... Last time I made cookies, it was chocolate chip po- coconut pecan cookies. Nice. Nice. Oh. That reminds me that I have a recipe for, quote, Scooby snacks that I need to try. <laughs> um, I have made this a couple times. It's um, rice uh, with herb de Provence um, mixed in with, uh, instead of using water, you use chicken broth. And it's real good. Hmm. Hmm. 
hey, uh, if you ever want to make that in bulk, we have about six crates of Herbe de Provence at my store because we ordered too many. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Gotta figure out how to make the actual, like, chicken part. See, that's why I'm worse at cooking than I am with baking, because whenever you start cooking proteins, it really is a lot more of just eyeballing it. Mm. Yeah. Whereas baking, it's like, you do the math properly and stick it in the oven, you know that it's going to be good by X amount of minutes later. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, have... I think my favorite recipe... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I had to reteach myself how to fry uh, an egg. <sighs> I mean, you're ahead of me. I've never learned how to fry an egg. <laughs> I, can make, I can make scrambled eggs. And that is my go-to egg form. Ah. Um, but I think my favorite recipe to make is a recipe for banana pancakes. Mm. It is the best pancakes I've ever eaten. And if you add chocolate chips to them, you don't even need syrup. Nice. It's so good. One time our friend Duncan brought his entire kitchen kitchen setup to a convention we went to out of province because he wanted to make bacon pancakes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> hey Tanner, remember that one time at Denny's where you started pouring the maple syrup onto your pancakes <laughs> to prove a point? And it turned into too much syrup? <laughs> <laughs> can hear Ryan laughing in the background because he was there, but it's Ryan's fault. Yeah. Oh, God. Because I started, like, I like a lot of syrup on my pancakes, but not, like, to a ridiculous amount, unless I'm challenged. <laughs> ah. So we were at Denny's about to leave the convention. I'm putting syrup on my pancakes, and Ryan's like, that's a lot of syrup there, bud. And I lock eyes with him, and I empty the bottle. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yes. And then I was only able to finish half of the plate, and I spent the entire eight hours home, like, sitting in the back with my eyes, my pupils dilated to the size of my eyeballs. Oh, no. <laughs> they can see through time. <laughs> but I was able to see to the time six months later where I completed that just successfully. Oh, nice. They let you see faster. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay, question number three is, uh, what podcast would you like to do a crossover with? Hmm. Well, funny you <laughs> yes, should ask. Aside from the obvious? Um, my answer is pretty much any podcast. I'm, I'm down to do crossovers all the time. I love them. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. Yeah, same. I see the thing for for us for a podcast crossover it has to be something where like they come on to do a reboot and then we come on to do whatever whatever their thing is, mm-hmm. and it has to be one that's conducive to two people guesting. Yeah. So, but I mean, I actually now that I word it, it actually isn't as restrictive as I thought it was in my head. I want to get weird with our crossovers. I want to, I want the next big crossover we do that isn't just not if I reboot you cat D two, but three actually. My brain broke. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I think the other, the next big crossover I want to do is like find an actual play for us to guest on or something, and just be real yes. weird with it. Yeah. Uh. In my notes for possible weird stuff to do on Not If I Beat You First, there is an option that just says somehow we do an actual play for one episode. <laughs> Look, I'll let, I'm just going to end my answering of this question, and y'all can keep answering it afterwards. The last thing I'm going to say is um, Crisis on Infinite Podcasts. Yeah! <laughs> ah, podcasts live, podcasts die, and Audacity will never be the same. <laughs> Next question. Uh, sure. Uh, question number four. What property do you think would be a good fit for a crossover with Scooby-Doo? What would it look like? So we've already covered, uh, Scooby-Doo crossed Sailor Moon and Scooby-Doo crossed Ninja Turtles. Um, so those are like the two very good big ones that I have. Mine is weird and specific to myself and Lindsay. Mm Mm-hmm. My favorite murder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I, I want Karen and Georgia to be in the middle of discussing a true crime, and then it and then the Mystery Incorporated end up crashing the podcast because there's a supernatural crime going on, and then in the end it does turn out to be true crime after all. <laughs> and we can get an Elvis yowl in there. <laughs> I want Matthew Lillard to guest on My Favorite Murder as Shaggy. <laughs> that would be good yeah um i think another good crossover because i've watched some more of it recently uh would be with kipo and the wonder beasts um because i i love the idea of everybody just thinking that scooby is a mute i think it would fit very well You know, a Scooby-Doo and Steven Universe crossover would also make a lot of sense, because I guess everyone there is just cool with talking animals at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Scooby-Doo and Mystery? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. This time the monsters are real. <laughs> <laughs> this time the monsters are slime, man. <laughs> So much goo. Okay, we have a question here, and I'm, I'm going to have trouble pronouncing the Twitter handle out loud. Um, it's from Display Name Goosefer. Uh, oh, hey! Twitter Hi, handle. Yvette. Yeah, Yvette. Uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Bork or Borkay. Uh, I, I, I think it's Burke. Yeah, it's Burke. Burke? Okay. Yvette Burke. It's our real life friend, Yvette. Yeah! <laughs> Ah. Um, their question is how would each member of Mystery Incorporated react to getting Raymond on their Animal Crossing island <laughs> um, I think Daphne would be really into it um, Daphne maybe, explicitly went Raymond hunting yeah. <laughs> I think Velma is one of those people who's like I am selling Raymond in boxes for five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fred doesn't understand that Raymond is special. He just thinks all these little guys are really neat. I just think they're neat. Mm. 
Hmm. And I don't think Scooby and Shaggy play Animal Crossing. They don't really need to. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like they explicitly play like the the game that I think when I think Shaggy and Scooby, the first game that comes to mind is Wii Sports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mostly because the only video game we've seen them canonically play recently on this show is that motion, the Connect based wrestling game. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I I feel like the conversation would go, like, why would I even have to cross animals, dude? I've already got an animal best friend right here. Come on, Scoob, let's go play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I think Begging Fred be... oh, would ahead. be really into uh, landscaping his island. Yes. Mm, for sure. He doesn't really even understand the appeal of the different characters he's just really into the island landscaping i've never actually played animal crossing in my life so yeah i mean he just keeps going he he keeps giving all of his villagers pitfall traps like hey let's have fun trying to prank each other (laughs) okay next question is from brendan at sonata waves on twitter why did Velma keep giving the robot she breaks for parts enough sentience to feel mortal terror? There were, there were multiple of them. She had multiple robot children. Why Why couldn't she just build the engine on its own? It's like... <laughs> because she already has one. <laughs> just have reserves. Maybe it was a matter of timing. Ugh. I mean, I think it's more of like, you know, Max is sort of like her uh, Jarvis or whatever, your Iron Man AI, but this one has a physical body. Uh, and so I think dummy. giving your AI some level of, some level of like that kind of intelligence makes it good for like a surrogate friendship type thing. And considering mm-hmm. Velma's current situation is, I am cutting myself off from everyone in my physical reality so I don't get sent to the horror dimension behind the lockers. I get it. But a basic rule of science. Stop programming the robots to feel pain. Yeah. Yeah, To feel fear. Why, Daphne? Or no, it was why, Velma? The, The bigger answer here is because she could. Yeah. It was an it was an experiment. Velma is one hundred percent the type to build Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh God! Didn't stop to think if they should. People talk about Shaggy only using one percent of his power, but we should really be worried about Velma. Yes. Alright, final batch of questions here from Charlie at Magical underscore Pride on Twitter. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. (laughs) Hi, Charlie. Uh, If you and all of your guests were forced to fight, it does not have to be to the death, who do you think would win? Now, are you talking all of our guests, the four of us in this audio room, or all of our guests, the ones that we've each had on our own podcasts? Um, I think Sir original intent was just the four of us, but I do like the idea of opening it up in like a Mortal Kombat style tournament of guests. 
Let me check the guest list. <laughs> I'm going to say right now, Lindsay's going to last longer than me. I fight dirty. Well, let me look at our schedule. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would last long at all because I don't like confrontation <laughs> at all. I don't normally like confrontation, but I could see myself like getting into it, maybe. I think my problem is the reason why I don't like confrontation is because I become very confrontational, and I prefer oh, to yes. avoid Relatable. it. Yes, agreed. I become very competitive to the point of extreme rudeness, and I don't like that about myself, so I avoid it. Um, I mean, I feel pretty good about my odds. Um, there's a couple of names on here that I, I think would be tough. I think, especially if the guests take to fight as a tag team, if it's two of them, I think Janine and Locke would be pretty hard to beat. <laughs> uh, see, see, Locke doesn't apply yet because they haven't been on our show yet for us. Uh, looking at our list, I'm going to say that Charlie and JD are probably just going to forfeit immediately, and they'll probably go play Pokemon in a corner. <laughs> uh, and then there'll be a free-for-all battle royale between the rest of them. So, sorry to everyone else, but I'm pretty sure the top three are going to be Duncan, Ryan, and Portia. And I feel like Portia's going to win because odds are she's bringing her roller skates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, looking at our list, I think you know Jake Mason likes to describe himself as scrappy. Um, I I think I could take him. <laughs> you know that that's a loaded adjective on this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking about that bit from the Sonic 06 dub that went around for a while of where just like Amy looks someone up and down and is like, "Yeah, I could kill you." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was literally just watching that yesterday. <laughs> that was from the Snap Cube, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I think that answers that question as well as <laughs> we're going to. Um, do you think a Fred and Shaggy movie would work just as well, or would it be unnecessary? I think it would work. I do think it would work. I think it would be something very different. It'd have to be like diametrically opposed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking like. Because this one is all very high tech and like in uh, fancy school and everything, I feel like a Scooby and Shaggy needs to be a summer camp in the middle of the woods. Yeah. No, they go to Riverdale, <laughs> <laughs> and they experience the epic highs and lows of high school football. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, because my first thought was something like Evil Dead, where they're stuck at a cabin. <laughs> that would also be up there. Yeah. I just, I like the idea, like, you know, if, if they were in a high school setting, Fred's clearly a football player. Shaggy has been shown multiple times to be on some sort of, like, either a track team or something. I definitely like the idea of it being like, oh, the reason the monster stuff is happening is like, oh, we gotta figure out who's been taking out the football teams in this tournament or whatever. Shaggy is surprisingly <laughs> good at football. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I can see Shaggy on the football team easier than I can see Fred. Because Fred is a himbo. This is the law of science. But I feel like the reason he's all buff up, it's not so that he can be good at sports. I think Fred is going to be similar to Daphne, where he's the one who's all in on the supernatural. 
and he's gonna like you go to his room it's covered in like the string theory cork board and the reason he's so jacked is because he plans on wrestling bigfoot himself (laughs) so yeah he definitely is on a wrestling team yeah Oh, yeah, I guess he, so. he, he's shown to be uh, on the wrestling team in uh, Mystery Incorporated. That does make sense. Archie was also. It's on also the on the team. soccer team. So that's that's also a choice they made. Football just doesn't seem like a friend sport. Maybe he'd be on lacrosse. Mm. Mystery mm. Incorporated meets Teen Wolf. <laughs> Maybe he's on the flag football team. <laughs> For, no friends on fantasy football. Oh God. Okay. Um. All in all, I think it would be good. You know, you bring uh, up Riverdale, and I saw a Tumblr post the other day where it was someone comparing drama and Archie comics, which is like Archie double book going to the dance with Betty and helping on a shoe drive with Betty, but he needs to get paid to go to the dance with Veronica in order to pay back Reggie, and then compare it to the Riverdale drama, which is like. Betty can no longer fight the urge to kill. Jughead has run over Reggie with his car. Mr. Lodge seduces and drugs Archie and sets him up to be the... sets him up to, as a patsy for a murder. Veronica accidentally becomes a madam. And somebody replied, This post was made a year ago, and so far three out of those four things have actually happened. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. This is, this is true. I was actually about to say the exact same thing. Oh gosh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, most of that's happened already. Um, how different or not at all would the movie be if it was romantic? I haven't watched like a high school based rom-com in a while or maybe at all. So I don't actually know the answer to this. What was the last one I watched? I think it was to all the boys I've loved before. And so I don't think that's applicable here because you can't really transit over to one for one into sapphism. Yeah. Mm. Um... I think there's potential. I think the parts where they have to do give each other pep talks and like the part with the elevator where they have to just keep saying good things about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those would become a lot more loaded. Yeah. I mean, I to me, they were already kind of loaded. Yeah. See, yeah, I, I think you wouldn't be changing much, but also the way the movie is now works really well, whether you want it to be about friendship or romance. Mm-hmm. I feel like following a natural romantic progression, this movie would still be step one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, unless you like go to the point of at the beginning where Daphne's trying to get back, like trying to become friends with Velma. If you swap that a little bit and have it be more of a jealousy angle, then maybe you could lean it that way. But that's really unnecessary yeah i agree yeah i think uh, this movie as a step one is perfect can i just say how great it is that there was actually no romantic subplot at all yeah it was pretty good yes except for that poor kid who thought he was the second best looking in this poor guy there was there was probably like a studio mandate like you need to have some kind of romance and so that was them just winking at it like yeah. hey, technically we have we followed your demand. Yeah. I don't know. Griffin's like hangers on. There could be something there. They That's were adorable. They, they definitely formed a thruple by the end. Yes. yes. Fellas, is it gay to call your friends dad? <laughs> <laughs> 
And not like call your friend's father on the phone, but like to call your friend the name dad. <laughs> Actually, the speaking from experience depends on the friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my name is Chuck Truck Noise, but my friends call me dad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that that answers all of our Twitter questions, <laughs> and we're only most of the way to the end. Twitter questions. <laughs> yes, definitely not. You know, someone was like, "Hey, send us a bunch of Twitter questions." Definitely wasn't messaging people privately saying, "Hey, you should put weird Twitter questions for this podcast." <laughs> definitely, totally normal. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so. As you may have figured out by now, we have watched the most recent live-action Scooby-Doo film, Daphne and Velma, which was released on DVD and home video on May 22nd, 2018. Uh, It was directed by Susie Unissi, produced by Ashley Tisdale, Jennifer Tisdale, Amy Kim, Jamie Burke, and Susie Unissi, and written by Kyle Mack and Caitlin Mears. Featuring the regular acting talents of Sarah Jeffrey as Daphne Blake, Sarah Gilman as Velma Dinkley, Vanessa Morano as Carol, Brian Stepanek as Natalie Blake, Nadine Ellis as Elizabeth Blake, Arden Mirren as Principal Piper, Brooks Forrester as Tobias Bloom, Lucius Baston as Mr. Nussbaum. Uh, I, I barely know who that one was. <laughs> uh, Courtney Dietz as Michaela. Stephen Ruffin as Nathan, Frey Ford as Ryder, a lot of these names I don't actually remember from the movie, Evan Castello as Griffin Griffiths, Daniel Solliers as Mike, Adam Faison as Spencer, Jessica oh, uh, Goe as Olivia, Mickey Pollock as Tumop Maggie, and Tucker Hullbrooks as Skater Guy. Oh, I think I know who that one was. That guy was on a Segway. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> That's not the same. Those aren't the same <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah, no, but I can kind of assume that that's what the they are claiming. He was a Segway boy. She said, see you later, boy. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, so the movie starts with like an info video about Ridge Valley High which was started by tech startup man Tobias Bloom, who made a phone and some social media and stuff. And then we see a girl get a skull notification on her hollow phone and walks over to a a haunted hallway with a smoky locker. And and then we get the title as she uh, disappears into it. So this this whole introductory video, it talks about how the school is great because it's like super sustainable and all the robots and technology here love you. One of the teachers is basically just one of the robots from iRobot. Yes. There's there's a garbage can, and it rolls up, and it's like, Hello, Olivia! And the girl puts her garbage in it, and then it shows her a bouquet of flowers, and then rolls away. Hey, Tanner, I just want to say something real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I just now realized that you said iRobot and not iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> You meant the soda robot from iCarly. <laughs> no, iCarly starring Will Smith. 
anyways. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, uh, um, but yeah, the it's like showing all the robot stuff, and we'll see other stuff later that's like really wild to just do. Um, also, we hear like the main theme of the movie here, and it's pretty good. Oh yeah. I, th- I, I think most of the live-action Scooby-Doo films have pretty good music. I really dig these violins. I did note down that the score was by Sasha Gordon. Nice yes. work, Sasha Gordon. She did a good job. Um. So, and then we, after the intro, we see Daphne streaming on her hollow computer. Um, and she's talking about a mystery that was maybe it was supernatural. And then immediately Velma's like, no, it wasn't, you fool. You absolute buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> How else am I going to keep up with my internet friend? But yeah, so we learned that Velma and Daphne have been friends, and they, you know... They are online sleuths. Yes. Or internet sleuths, yep. whatever the phrase is. Well, D- Daphne is kind of the sleuth. She has, like, the paranormal blog. Her room is chock-a-block full of alien uh, paraphernalia. Yes, she loves aliens. Yeah, we get to see her wear a lot of shirts that have just, like, alien print on them, which is yeah. good. It's very good and very true. Um, meanwhile, Velma's room is full of, like, less... It's full of, like, quote, lower-tech stuff, and that, like, it's all physical. There's no hollow screens or anything. Um... Like, later on, we'll see, like, oh, at some point, Daphne gets a hologram phone, while Velma has, like, this little slidey square of a phone that I love. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a it looks like a combination between a T-Mobile sidekick and a Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> it reminds me of a Samsung phone I had for a while. Um, it was, like, a little slidey phone. It just slid vertically. Um, but this is, like, more of a spin to it. Um, but yeah, so they, they talk, and Velma's like, I got those chips you sent me. They taste like gerbil, but, you know, like, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and we learn that Daphne is actually, instead of moving around the world more, has moved to Ridge Valley to go to school with her bestie. Um, and Velma's like, uh, oh, oh, oh dear, oh, oh, geez. And then, like, just hangs up. Yeah. Um, and we see Velma's wild conspiracy board. <laughs> uh, Daphne starts getting ready for school the next day. Has a closet that gives her outfits. Her yeah, mom. she has the closet from Clueless. I haven't seen yeah. Clueless. Oh, it's just like it. In Clueless, she had a computer that, like, could had uh, pictures of all of her clothes together and it, like calculated outfits for her, mm. and would just output them. So she because she goes up to the closet and she's like, "Closet, I need an outfit for school." And it just opens and pops it up, and she's like, "Yes, this is great." <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happens here. Also, um, then we meet Daphne's mom, who's trying to be hip using hashtags. Hashtag Bill Nye the Science Guy. <laughs> and Daphne uh, tells her hash- hashtags aren't really a thing anymore. 
So she does a voice memo, note to self, hashtags are no longer a thing. <laughs> uh, and we learned like, she's trying to keep on top of those things because she started, essentially, Instagram filters. She she got she yeah. started a company about Instagram filters. It's yeah. called Matchmouth. Yep. My favorite Disney original movie, uh, Matchmouth. <laughs> which we find love- out disturbing things about later. Which is actually kind of true to life. Yeah. So that'll be fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, so like, there's like when da- Daphne's dad shows up, they sort of like hint at like, oh yeah, Daphne's been to schools all around the world, in Japan. That one boat that sank, she had, was going to school on a boat. We where the what is, was my notes? My notes feel wrong. Well, her it dad. It was in the middle of the Baltic Sea. The teacher was a pirate, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Look, the she... only thing wrong with that school was that it sank. Yeah. Um. He also, her dad, uh, or she, so she sees a book next to her breakfast that's like the moons of Saturn, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, neat." Space. She, just, she just glances through it. Pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, my next note is that Velma's like a weird cross between an outcast and a routine. So I think that's, oh, that's when we cut to Velma walking into the school campus and it's like Mm -hmm. bumping into people and stuff. She steps on someone's muffin that that they drop. Yeah. She goes off of the path to step on that muffin. Yeah. Um, so like, it's definitely like some malicious intent there. (laughs) Um, meanwhile, Daphne runs into Carol, the senior advisor and tour guide for new students. Uh, she's prepped to show Daphne around, and then Daphne almost gets hit by a, a, a glow ball. ball. It changes colors, and it has, like, a it's trail like a, of rainbows behind yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's very, um, hmm, very quick, so you don't see it. Um, it's like a rainbow dodgeball. yeah. But she does not get hit because she leans down to pick up a button with her favorite band. Who the, the legitimate av- tulips. Yeah. <laughs> the advisor has no idea who the band is. Uh, in my notes, I refer to the ball as a science orb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a science orb. Of note, the button just kind of appears like it's tossed in front of her. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Carol's immediately like, hey, are you all right? And Daphne's like, yeah, I'm just lucky. And she's like, you sure? That seems like a suspicious thing. Okay. <laughs> um, so we see the different shots around the school of the, it being very high tech. There's holophones and displays and robots. Uh, there's there's robots. There's also all like the main hallway that we see. Instead of there being, like, furniture that people are sitting on, there's pictures of furniture on the wall that people are leaning on in the exact right spots. Yeah. (laughs) It's very funny. Like, there's even, like, a little side table there, and the lady is holding her bottle such that it looks like, ah, this is what would happen if I was resting it on a table. It's so strange. It is super strange. Um. Uh. 
Carol's just showing her around. We meet Griffin Griffiths, the self-proclaimed second cutest boy in school or whatever. Something like that. He's he's sports. He is sports. He is generically good looking. Yeah. 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 To, to uh, the point where I was trying to figure out where I had seen him before because he's so generic. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't. Uh, he's a new generic. Walgreens brand, insert actor name here. No name brand white boy. <laughs> uh, so Daphne also meets the students Michaela and Spencer. Spencer's sort of like a a, a science science boy. Michaela's art. Michaela gives Spencer like a whole interesting intro, and then Spencer's like, "This is Michaela. She does art." Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> Um, this is where we learn about Matchmouth, the dog face filters for actual dogs. And which... how Spencer wants to make a phone that makes you a pie. Yeah. Which what, what if, if your, your phone, phone could make you a pie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also learn about the bloom bracket, which is oh. a ranking of students based on their performance both in and out of school. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm, gotta love that. Top student at the end of the year gets an internship with uh with Bloom Industries. It's deeply disturbing. It's yeah, it's of, really bad. It's, it's the kind of messed up shit that was like this was the premise of Assassination Classroom where the bottom students get like banished to the shitty homeroom. The shadow realm. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's make sure all the students know how well they're ranked. And like it's so it's calculated based on their grades and their sports performances, and also their social media? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what 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 really kills me about this whole th- thing, this whole concept is, you know, it's kind of true to life. And it's yeah. awful. Yeah. I will say, later on, we get, like, this is spoilers, because we're going to go out of order for a second. Um, later on, Velma has to rise up the ranks, because she, right now she's at the very bottom on purpose. I wish we had gotten any, like, montages that included her making social media posts. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, that would have been very funny. That would have been very funny. Um. So Daphne's still hanging out with Carol and then sees Velma is like, okay, I need to go talk to Velma. We're friends. And Carol's like, Velma has friends? Yeah. Velma has friends. <laughs> And has to, like, sit there with that knowledge for a moment. Um, we learn- we also see that she- the phones can take a picture of someone and then pull up all of the information on them. Uh, but Velma is not in the system. She prefers it that way. Yeah, she's smart. Yeah. Uh, Velma refuses to hang out with Daphne, and as she's walking away, trips on a mop. One- breaking one of- Three mop Maggie's three mops, reducing her down to two mop Maggie. <laughs> you know, I did not catch that, that she was originally three mop Maggie. The, it quickly changes in the immediately manifested YouTube video that is posted seconds after it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Edited and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that usually takes about five minutes. I'm deeply curious, is like... 
Ha- has Maggie been for Mop Maggie in the past? Hmm. Hmm. How many mops was she to start? Yeah. Is this like uh, like how a cat has nine lives and Maggie has nine mops? <laughs> and when you break the last mop, she truly dies. Oh gosh. I was thinking that she has like a mop mops like a Hindu god. <laughs> uh, but throughout all this scene of Daphne interacting with Velma, Delphne is just so confused because she thought Velma was her friend and she's just trying to pretend she doesn't know her yeah. it's very sad yeah. um, but afterwards Daphne has a day of acing a couple of tests and finding sushi in the lunch line and everyone's generally impressed mm-hmm it's like there's a test about uh, Roman history. Uh, and she went to school in Rome. Yeah. There's even a test about Saturn's moons, which she had literally just looked through a book that morning. Convenient. Yeah. So, like, the fact that that's what helped her makes me wonder, like, does Daphne secretly have a photographic memory? I think so. Yeah. At the very least, exceptionally good recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, then everybody's like, oh, it's so impressive. And then Daphne's alone in the hallway at some point and lights start flickering. And it's all spooky. And then she bumps into Velma, who's going to the sports match in the sports classroom. You mean the gym. <laughs> you know, the one. <laughs> Uh, the lights continue to flicker and Velma's like no Daphne you should just leave you should just leave it's fine um, and then they did start to investigate did you mention figure? I did not um, it's like a shadowy, a shadowy figure. figure that runs in the background yeah, yeah it just like flies through the hallways for a moment <laughs> the um, lights flicker and that's what cracks me up that the lights flicker while the shadowy figure is in the background. Knowing what's gonna happen regarding that, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why is this, why are the lights flickering? Hmm? Well, we find out, because as they investigate, they see Spencer step into a smoking locker. And as they look through, they see a secret passage. But then Daphne's dad bumps into them, closing the door. He full body tackles them out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so taking this as an opportunity to leave, Velma just runs off and then sees Maggie and just has a full-on stare down with her. Yeah. I love the idea of, okay, so the idea of Velma and Maggie just having a, an antagonistic uh, relationship just as a general thing is hysterical to me because I kind of had that. <laughs> Like, I had a uh, janitor person who I deeply hated for specific reasons, not for general reasons in high school. <laughs> in middle school, actually. It was middle school. Which, thank God, because otherwise I would have hated high school. Um, but it's hilarious. So, that night, uh, Daphne is question- questioning Nedley of why on earth was he at her school. Um, yeah. And we find out 
that he's been in the background of her life just kind of making it so everything goes right for her. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I have conflicting feelings about, but I determined overall it's very cute. Yeah, he says that it's like an attempt to make up for dragging her all over the world. Yeah. And yeah. and also losing her in a casino in Ibiza when she was four for 36 hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and immediately Daphne's like, wait, what? Huh? And then it's immediately like, just ignore but- that, which... Is completely different from my family, where that would be a family story. <laughs> um, the list of things that uh, he did include that morning playlist that she asked for when she's just like, play my workout playlist or pump up playlist. And we see that he's like playing a keyboard outside. <laughs> um, see, the closet was her doing, or it was him doing the uh, clothing for her. Uh, just like he went putting to fashion it out. school. Yeah, yeah he, he went, went to, to fashion, fashion school, school for four years. Nice. She does. Uh, she does concede that that is very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, is she says when she's on the stairs going into the the dining room. Oh, I hope that smells like uh, French toast. And then he takes the omelet away and makes her French toast immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw the pin out on the floor. To make her like duck down, so he instead got hit in the face with the with the ball. Uh, he made the sushi. He uh, had he put down the book because I guess he knew that there was going to be a test on Saturn's moons. Uh, in Japan, he was translating everything she said, and her chopsticks were secretly tiny forks. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that one's the funniest. That one was the funniest. <laughs> It's extra funny because, like, she's clearly learned how to use chopsticks since then because mm-hmm. she had, like, sushi in the cafeteria and, like, was using it properly. Unless, Unless those were those also rolls. tiny forks. Yeah, because <laughs> I think they were on the plate when she grabbed it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. It could be it could be tiny forks still. Um, but so, yeah, Daphne's like, I'm, I'm mad. I'm going to do it on my own. So she has a little, little sad moment in her bed with music playing. Velma's still ghosting her. Um, Something that was very cute is that she is laying on her bed, but her head is upside down, like hanging off the bed. And she looks to the side and we see a shot of multiple photographs of her and her dad, but they're all upside down. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah. And she, oh. she tries to talk to Velma, but Velma, like, you even, Velma types out a text about how she can't talk because it's for her own good, uh, but she ends up deleting it, and then from Daphne's side, we see the, the texting bubbles, and then they go away, and that's sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, th- but then... Yeah, so Daphne, when Daphne well, was investigating earlier, she had pulled out a little pen with a little alien head on it. Uh, it's actually a, a microphone. large alien head. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's the kind of thing that you see on that. It's like, oh, that's just, like, a, a cute gimmicky pen that has an alien. Secretly, it's a microphone. Or maybe not so secretly. It's just, like, the, an egg-sized glow-in-the-dark alien head on it. Yeah. Uh, you got it from doing the ring toss at the county fair. 
uh but she recorded the ghost noises and she like listens to it and it throws it backwards on her computer and it's like backwards audio of someone saying come closer and she sends it to velma Um, so the next day she has to fly everything solo so she dresses herself she's wearing lots of purple with uh, a sage headband and scarf uh she rides the bus and it goes bad um everybody's making fun of her calling her an eggplant carol gives her a t-shirt that can change patterns it's a smart shirt smart t-shirt see that i actually wouldn't mind having it's pretty good um it it's like we're, we're, she puts it on and she makes it look like alien print um but when uh, when daphne leaves the scene carol starts looking menacing um then daphne has water spilled on her at lunch and then at the lab we see spencer and he's like barely vor- verbal lots of sniffing of things eats a paper towel yeah, all he says is, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I like how that continues. And it's all he will say for most of the rest of the, the movie. Entire scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kind of stuck on a loop. <laughs> um, so, as a result, Daphne has to blab up with Velma, who is angry. She's very angry. Luckily, they do put on goggles for lab safety, unlike a certain other show I podcast about. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone here is wearing goggles. Yes. And then Velma sabotages the experiment and makes a big explosion of purple goo. Yeah, which... It's very... Ooze. Did she, like, vaporize the balloon that they're supposed to inflate with the CO2? I think I think, like the goo part was like a weird reaction that happened like she added a bunch of something at the last second yeah so i think it just happened to be purple because purple is a color that's important to this film Mm -hmm. um but yeah so they have like a whole mess fight there and the teacher's like hey you two stop fighting also what is going on with this kid he is eating a paper towel (laughs) (laughs) i'm good (laughs) uh so then they get to go to the they are sent to the principal's office who has them sit on a uh a conflict resolution couch which is just a lot of cubes yeah it changes shape depending on the words that are spoken by the people sitting on it yes um we learned that the principal is velma's aunt and that Velma's been dumping her grades since getting into high school. She says some words to her digital assistant, and it hears the wrong words and activates conflict couch extreme mode activated. And it like just it constantly squishes them together as they fight, and they are almost completely squished, and they start having a fight about it, uh, and then they start laughing. It's very cute. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the top students keep having weird th- Velma is like hey all of the top students that are at the top of the list I keep having weird things happen to them and then they make up and then for the rest of this scene Daphne is just draping herself across Velma yeah yeah. 
And she's also baiting the couch to see if she can make it do conflict stuff again. <laughs> yeah, like she like she says a thing to the couch that way it'll bump her over into Velma. <laughs> so actually, hey, hey, let's go back to one of those questions. I think this film is already romantic. <laughs> Especially this scene, yeah. I think. It's kind of like uh, why I like the idea of this being part one. Yeah, definitely. Um, or if we had seen some of the stuff from before, it also could have been mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah. Um, so we cut to uh, talking to Carol at a lunch table. Carol, not a fan of Velma. And when they're like, oh, but Spencer's acting weird. She pulls up Spencer's Bloomgram posts and are like, it's all normal here. Uh, and then we learn that the Griffiths have been the top students basically every year, except for this year's Griffin Griffiths, who's currently is not at the top. Yet. Yep. Not yet. Uh, Vilma, still rude about everything. And we see Spencer put out a brand new social media post, despite not using his phone currently. Yeah. Daphne's plan is to break into the locker passage. Uh, and in order to do so, Velma has to kill her emotion-having robot for parts. She does refer to it as a robot child. Yes. Yes. What? <sighs> I, I, Someone writing this really wanted black comedy. Like, the easier solution is just, Velma has, like, a tub full of, like, uh, oh, I forget what the frick those things are called. It was just, like, hot goo or something. Yeah, there's, like, the hot goo and, like, some other... Like, she's building robots. She's got to have, like, a bin of, like, extra parts that she could use. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, ah, dang, all my mugs are dirty. Better do a human sacrifice. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta... I put a... I'm trying to think of a a good one-to-one there, and I just got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, uh, we also learned that apparently Bloom is going to be at the school tomorrow. Um, so we cut to that school uh, that school assembly. And it, it feels a lot more like an infomercial or something. Griffin Griffiths has finally made it to the top of the rankings. Uh, and also food printing. Check it out. It's a cube that prints pizza. It- it doesn't even look like a prince. It looks like it's selling pizza from the pizza dimension. Yeah. Just open up the aether. What's the difference? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, you have to be specific when you're patenting these things. I mean, it, the thing about it is that it does clearly use like some sort of liquid ink or something. It is full of liquid. Mm. The cube oh, is full I, I of didn't liquid. That. <laughs> um. By the way, I just wanted to mention at at some point during this presentation. Earpods are introduced as something that uh, Bloom has created. And I thought to myself, oh my god, is this going to be an episode of Doctor Who? Because I was thinking... It has it has Doctor Who energy. Yes, it does. It really does. But I was thinking, Which... specifically, everyone's going to start using earpods and they're all going to be brainwashed. That was my first thought when I saw this. 
Yeah, it's also it's also even weirder that that didn't happen because they use them later. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest, every time they speak of their plan in a public setting, every time that they use a Bloom uh, Enterprise uh, product, I think to myself, you guys realize that everything you're using and talking about is known because there are definitely recording devices in everything. Everything. I... I'm going to give them a pass because Velma's at the bottom of the chart, which means that no one pays attention to her. That's a good point. Yeah. I'll give them I'll give them a pass on that one. You can get one benefit of the doubt. Well, I guess it's a matter of that just means that uh they don't have taps in people's houses yet. Yeah. Because yeah. she's been deliberately sabotaging her uh, social media, presumably, and her presence at school, and mm-hmm. any public activities, I am assuming. Um, she no-shows the pep rallies. Yeah. So. Uh, so they all, they they sneak off from this, uh, this infomercial for the, the pizza printer. Oh, there was uh, one. There's one other thing during the infomercial where Daphne's like, "I recognize Tobias Bloom from somewhere," and Velma's like, "It's obviously because his face is all over the school." Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they sneak off, uh, and Velma's like, "Okay, so I I took care of Maggie." <laughs> <laughs> uh. But no, no. It's just that she spilled something in another hall. Yeah, I spilled juice on the next hallway over. Because um, Maggie so, loves spills. Yeah, she loves to mop it up. She, that's why she uses sweaty. two mops. Uh, so uh, Velma is like, okay, I'm going to take this robo-engine, I'm going to slap it to the locker, and then I'm going to surround it with super glue that causes it to melt or something. It's just a lot of orange smoke starts billowing out of the area. Um, and in the meanwhile, Daphne's like, "Hey, is that a ghost I see over there?" As something goes flying down the hallway. And hey, listen, the, maybe this was just something they forgot to do in post, but they talk a lot about how, oh my gosh, the ghost is floating. It could not be more clearly on a hoverboard. You can <laughs> see the hoverboard. Yeah. yeah. At this point, well, I okay. realized what it was earlier in in the uh, movie. It wasn't as immediately obvious. I think because we didn't actually see the ground. So the even weirder thing about it is that or at the beginning of the movie, we see someone going down the hallway on one of those hoverboards, but that one doesn't have wheels. It was actually hovering. Huh. And that's Ooh. that's what's weird to me. This time the hoverboards are real. <laughs> no, no. Um, oh no! But they break into the locker and discover that oh no, it's actually empty, except for a blue ribbon on the ground. Yes. And this blue ribbon belonged to Olivia, the lady, the little, the one from the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. who was a violin prodigy. And, and now she cannot play a note. And she's also apparently disappeared. That we find out a little bit later. Hmm. Um, they get caught by two mop Maggie. And end up back in the principal's office. Mm-hmm. They get uh, the, sh- 
shame stickers. Shame stickers. Shame. Whenever someone mentions them, thunder can be heard in the background. Yes. I think the stickers produce that sound. <laughs> that would make sense. Because, uh, like, at the beginning of the movie, we also saw, like, a drone following Velma around with a little rain cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yes. Uh-huh. Shame. And it just kept okay. saying it kept saying things like that. Yeah, or like, um, you could ignore her, but you can't ignore me. <laughs> Stuff like that. That actually fits really well with the fact that she's just been sabotaging her entire high school career. Mm-hmm. We get to actually see it happen. Um, but yeah, they're also given kitchen duty. Yes. Which I love um Daphne is like garnishing with like flowers. <laughs> she like places flowers delicately delicately in the paper cup uh next to the mac and cheese. It's very funny. And Velma's just like just like dropping a bunch of it up in there and being really messy about it. Yeah. Um and then Griffith's uh lackeys come up and are like, I'll take the messy one. Uh and Griffith is just like kind of rude in a weird way. He's like, um, he says, aha, uh-huh, Velma, you're uh, at number 200 on the bloom bracket. And then his lackeys laugh and they're like, hey, that, that's not a dig. It's, I'm, it's just what it is. Yeah. I'm just stating facts. Gah. Yeah. It's in a weird situation where he's a jerk, but not that much of a jerk. He's just a teenager. He's just got to figure out his stuff. And well, and listen, the fact that he was already like when when we see the bloom bracket at the beginning, he's already in like third or fourth place. So clearly, he's a competent teen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Velma is like I suspect him because of his family legacy. This the second cutest boy in school. Um, and then we cut out to see that someone else had walked up. Yeah, and it's like you you really mean it? Yeah. It's like I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. Why not? <laughs> he immediately tries to ask Velma out and she uh d- I, what I really like about this is that she basically says a script. Like she just regurgitates the the classic it's not you it's me script of trying to dissuade someone from asking you out. Yeah. Like literally the only other thing she could have said to like hit all of the tropes is like oh I don't no I'm not into you know right that kind of mm. thing um so okay they're having a conversation about oh it's probably griffith uh, griffin blah 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 um and at one point daphne's like oh look over there and velma notices <laughs> the coach standing next to a oh. trash bin and don't, don't she's like, it. coach, don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. And he does it twice. I think he grabs a fry. He takes a french fry yeah. and like dips it in something. Yes, and eats yeah. it out of the trash. And it's like, coach, no. <laughs> um, but that's not what Daphne was trying to point out. She was trying to point out the cart. It's like a, a restaurant cart. Yeah, it's a food cart. Yeah. That's just sitting there with a bright red uh, tablecloth on it. And they're like, oh, we can use that. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, Daphne has Carol wheel them on the cart over towards the Griffith's table. Uh, and they eavesdrop and they hear the boys being emotionally open. Yeah. It was very <laughs> cute. Daphne thinks it's very nice. Velma thinks it's awkward. I mean, it, it is kind of like an awkward thing to be eavesdropping on. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, because one, the one is like, I don't really care what I do when I grow up as long as I get to be a good dad. And then the other one's like, Sometimes, I wish you were my dad. Yeah. And you know what, kids? These days, you can be. <laughs> it's true. Um, and Griffin's like, hey, wait a minute. I left my phone in my locker There's with that important thing on it. Very important on it. <laughs> um, so in order to create a distraction to follow him to his locker, Velma airdrops some footage of her aunt to everyone in the school. <laughs> <laughs> and it's her doing some dancing while she eats her yogurt. Yeah. Because eating yeah. the yogurt is her special time. For her. Um. So they sneak away and they, they find him and he's just sitting there looking at his phone in front of his locker. And he's just like, look at all these cats. I love these cats. It's like some kind of Newgrounds era flash video drawn in MS Paint. Yeah, yeah. About about like photo uh, pictures of cats photoshopped onto like just like food and stuff. It's yeah. very important. Very important. <laughs> yes. So important. Uh, but then the lights start flickering, and mm-hmm. uh, Griffin goes dead eyed and zombified, and goes into the lit locker. Yes, and at this point Daphne says something like, I think we're being followed, but they chase them anyways. Uh, but they're too late, and Daphne er, and Velma has to get another engine. We don't see her kill it this time. So maybe she, maybe she did just have another engine. Hopefully, but... Yeah, and they get caught again. Yeah. This time by the principal. Mm-hmm. They get stickers and a drone. To follow them shame around. Drone. I can't believe the shame stickers didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a shame. Um, so Daphne's like, I think Griffin was a victim. And Velma's like, I don't know. I don't think he was a victim. And then they, they see that he's a zombie. He's all, I'm, I, good. I'm good. I'm good. And he's, okay, so my immediate thought when I saw him doing this was that desk toy, the little bird, dipping its yep. uh, beak into water. Because he constantly is leaning down and getting a drink from the fountain and leaning and going back up and, and turning around saying, I'm good, and then going back down. <laughs> he just repeats yeah. this like four times. This poor, poor kid. And like his cronies come up and they're just like, oh, yeah, he's still basically the same. Come on, let's go. Let's go hang out. And they throw uh, a football at his head and he doesn't flinch. And they're like... Yeah, you didn't even flinch. Nice. I'm good. Incredible. Yeah. Um. So they look over at the chart and they see that Michaela is now at the top. Um. But the only way to save anyone would be to put one of them there. And Velma's the only one that has any chance. But Velma doesn't want to sacrifice herself as bait. Uh. So Daphne has to give a pep talk. The whole time, the whole time they're doing the pep talk and like coming up with the plan, 
the the shame drome and griffin are both in the background so every so often you hear muffled in the background my shame i'm good <laughs> my shame i'm good yeah Uh, yes, so then we get a montage of Vilma, uh, working her way up the top, and them sabotaging everyone else. She turns in, like, a fat stack of homework, they glue someone's foot to the ground during a track meet, um, eventually they get it to the point where Michaela's the only person above Vilma, so they're only, the only thing they can do is to sabotage the art gallery that Michaela is putting on. Um... It it goes wrong, yeah. Because the, the lights go out for a moment, and they trip and they stumble, and then people come in, so they have to line their silhouettes up with one of her works. Um, and film was like, I, I have to sneeze. You know, it's funny <laughs> that I have to sneeze now. I haven't had to sneeze in like seven years. <laughs> okay, well, first off, you can't sneeze, and secondly. That really doesn't sound healthy. You should definitely be sneezing more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they manage to stumble into a secret passage before they are caught. Um, and they are in sort of like area behind the lockers where that other secret passage led to. Yeah. Uh, and they get chased by that specter that was like floating around in the hallways before. It chases them around through the tunnels. And they do a full-on chase scene. Mm-hmm. Well, you say full-on. It's like 75% of a chase scene. Because the music is real subdued. And it's like... it's Okay, so it's interesting because it's in three dimensions. They aren't just going through a single hallway getting chased by the ghost. But it's definitely evoking that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's really low-key. And like, even... There's a scene where Velma falls over... And my glasses, I can't see without my glasses. Without the, but yeah. There's no dialogue or even seeing her falling. It's just cut to her on the ground, reaching her arm out, and Daphne has to come over, put the glasses on, and pull her away. It's like, it's the concept of a chase scene. It's like someone had to film their Scooby-Doo fan film on a budget, and they wanted to do a chase scene. Yeah. I, hey, well, speaking of budget, I was looking at this uh, movie on Wikipedia briefly, and apparently the whole thing was filmed over about 17 days. Nice. Yeah, okay. I also know it was filmed in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. Um, at the end of the chase scene, they find Michaela, who is in a giant blue tube. Yes. And they wake her up, and she's terrified. Um, but before they can get her out, she gets sucked up and away. She uh, gets eaten. Yes. Like Augustus Gloop. <laughs> Um, there's a computer there and they look at it and they see that it's running a match mouth to fake all of those social media posts. Yeah. For the people who have been brainwashed. They're, they're deep faking all the kidnapped students. As if they were acting regularly. Yes. And it's deeply disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Because that might be a thing now. Yeah. Where they, where there is a program that can actually manipulate real life people into looking like they're saying a thing. Yeah. Which is terrifying. It's super creepy. Yep. Yeah. Um, Velmo finds a giant lead pipe and is like, alright, I'm gonna beat up that ghost when it comes around the corner. <laughs> uh. 
But Daphne's like, no, just grab this wire. We're going to trip it. Yeah. And they, they, they trip it. And it's like, oh, it's Daphne's dad. Yep. Um, apparently oh, are just, we not going to do a reveal? Oh, right. Sorry. Hold on. It's because it like, wasn't like an unmasking. It's the thing that threw me off. Yeah, he, he oh, demasks himself. Yeah. He just sort of like falls in a heap. Also, he's not like dressed as a ghost. He's just wearing a robe. This is also true. <laughs> like, that's the thing about this movie is that it kind of doesn't have an unmasking. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. Should we? Hmm. Hmm. They don't even hmm. say like his name or anything. So I don't think it's an, an unmasking. Okay. The, the only thing I have to say is that if we are going to do one in this movie, this would be the time we do it because the other one is even weirder. Yeah. Um. So I guess we just don't have one. <laughs> Natalie Blake. Nedley Blake. Um, but yeah, he can't handle not knowing how she is after spending so much time sort of helicopter parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Velma's like looking around and presses a button and then both herself and Daphne get sort of like brainwashed and start walking over towards the tube. Much to Nedley's panic. Because what the heck yeah. is happening? And then he presses a red button. Yeah, he, he was not uh, brainwaved by it. Yep. Um, and they come to the conclusion that it only affects teens. It's too high pitched. Yeah, which might which, actually yeah, okay. be a thing. That's fine. Teen sounds, I'm pretty sure, are a thing. Yeah, yeah. they are. Um, yeah, I think as you grow older and your hearing starts to go, you have less of a range of what you can hear. Yeah, is that particular set of I don't know what it is nerves. I don't know. Um, they deteriorate over time. Um, I know back in high school, there were, um, ringtones going around that were supposed to be in, like, the mosquito range. Yeah. Uh, And that were like, you can use these so you can hear your phone go off, but your teacher won't. And I'm just like, why not put your phone on vibrate? (laughs) I mean, you can hear vibrate. Vibrating phones is a thing. Yeah, but like if it's like in your pocket, you're it's going to be maybe as audible as the mosquito tone, if that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Plus, then the teacher will see you pull the phone out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. Uh. Um. Uh, but yeah, this tech is so high tech. Like it, it has to belong to Bloom Innovative. <laughs> Nedley points out. Yeah, and. Uh... Bloom Innovative's logo is on the device. And Velma immediately shuts him down as, let us have this! <laughs> it's very cute. Uh, so they, they have to call her mom because clearly there's something going on with Bloom Innovative. And so they, they call her over the computer after hacking into the Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, but she gets cut off when Tobias comes into her office. Presumably. We don't ever actually see him. Yeah. She just addresses him. Yeah, and then the signal goes out. Yep. Uh, Daphne has a minor freakout, so Velma has to give her a return pep talk. Um, and they sneak around the school and stuff at night to, to grab some supplies, like taking a drone. Velma has to kill another robot. 
Uh, they they use the Bloom sound buds to talk to Daphne's dad, who is still in the secret lab in the school. Yeah. I, I do want to mention is that uh, Daphne's dad does contribute a little bit to the pep talk, and because she is under the impression that he doesn't think she's capable, and it's not that he he doesn't think she's capable, it's just that he's, a, he's afraid. He's afraid for her. Yeah. It's very cute. And heartwarming. I like him a lot. He's good. And I also like the speech that Velma gives her because it's a lot of like, you've brought out the best in me yeah. by making me actually work for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they have their earbuds in and they have to sneak, they do a sneaking montage of them wearing the clothes that can have any pattern. So it like camouflages to everything behind them, oh, except oh, well, they first... don't cover their hands or face. <laughs> well, first they, they have to break into the building the, uh, itself because that's why uh, Velma killed another robot child. Um, so they make a melting engine to melt through the window. And while they're doing this. Uh, Daphne's dad over the intercom is like, what are you doing? Are you breaking into private property? That's terrible. You stop that right this instant. Oh, hey, a perfect circle. How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of chatter from him. As soon, like after they show him, they, like, they just have him do chatter the entire time. And yeah. It's funny. It's, it's a nice, um, a new thing, a way to do a sneaking mission into a place. Yeah. It's also like very quiet, so if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't hear any of it. Yeah. But it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they put the holes big enough for the shame drone to go through because they picked up the shame drone, which was sleeping on the principal's desk. Yeah. Because when mm-hmm. Daphne grab or when Velma grabs it, you can hear it murmur. Well, is that you, Mom? It's so <laughs> very cute. And they pilot it in, and they're like, "Okay, we'll use the shame drone to distract the guard." And then I guess it goes too far and it loses the signal because it just falls directly on the guard's head and knocks him out. And then his head falls on the button that opens the door. And they're like, oh, that works too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there's there's the sneaking montage of them just like their heads floating around because they have the camo clothes on. And it's just, it's so strange. It is very strange because at one point, Velma is laying on the floor and the janitor here is mopping around her. Yeah, and like her head's still visible. Yeah, hands and everything. <laughs> oh, it's so strange. It's very strange. But it's, you know what? It's very funny. Yes. It's very funny. That's the thing I can say about this movie is that it's very funny. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if y'all had the chance to. I highly recommend watching the gag reel. Ooh. Oh, I, d- I watched it on Netflix, so I didn't have access oh, to it. Oh, it's on Netflix? Oh. <laughs> well, I, I've had the DVD since it came out. At least yeah. up here in Canada, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, what was nice, I still got to watch it in a legal way instead of having to go, <clears throat> yar har. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll, like, do some stuff and get you access to the gag reel. Because <laughs> it, my... it, it makes it seem like a lot of it is improv Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, so they end up going over to the elevators, and we see, um, from the point of view of the elevator button screen thing, they get identified. So, they are, my fears were right. They are not being as sneaky as they could be, because they are immediately identified. 
Um, so yeah, the, the lights go out in the elevator and it starts, uh, you just see their eyes floating in literally pitch black darkness. Um, and they get, start getting surrounded by other eyes that are voicing their deepest insecurities. Um, and one of the voices is like, ah, this elevator is secretly full of wolves. um and they have to in order to stop it they have to say good things about each other in order to overload it to defeat the insecurity system yeah Yeah. uh so they end up on the right floor after doing so um one of the last things that one of them says is like and dogs like me yeah yeah. It's very cute. I gotta say, this whole thing happened and I thought to myself that was deeply weird. Yeah. It gets about to get weirder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they end up on the right floor and it's almost entirely empty, which is like what they said at the beginning. They said like that floor has only two uh heat signatures on it. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird thing to be able to tell. Um so they they find Daphne's mom hooked up to a machine being brainwashed. I'm good. Um, and they're confronted by Bloom in the flesh. It's like, yes. Well, uh, that's what he says. I'm su- surprised he got fast my elevator full of wolves. Wait, I forgot to fill it full of wolves. <laughs> <laughs> He reveals that his plan is zombifying people in order to take their creativity. Um, yeah. So he can't wait to see what creative thoughts he'll get from them. And then he summons spider drones. That shoot lasers! <laughs> I don't mean like, ah, this is a high motion spider drone. This is like the kind of spider drone that you would go buy from Staples for $25. <laughs> Yeah. You play with it for an hour at Christmas and then it breaks. Yeah. Yeah. How does it break? Well, Velma kung fu'd it. <laughs> yeah. So Velma's like, all right, Daphne, go rescue your mom. I'll take care of the drones. And it has an, an action fight sequence against drones that can shoot laser spider webs. She, at one point, karate chops the lasers. Yeah. Very yeah. totally spies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like this thing is like maybe ankle high. Yeah, it is very low to the ground, and we get like uh, point of view shots from its camera of her just like doing kung fu stances. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> maybe killing the robot children was foreshadowing in order to establish that Velma is very skilled in killing robots. <laughs> hmm, maybe, but she doesn't have a hammer this time. Yeah, that's true. She killed her robot children with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she has to take these out by hand this was the point <laughs> where I messaged Cass and said this film is very Spy Kids it's very Spy Kids oh yeah I guess yeah. you're right I didn't realize that either until Lava had said those words and I was like that's probably the best way to describe it yeah it's just mm-hmm. plain silly but fun yeah it's camp and silly and it knows what it's doing yeah yeah Um, uh, so, uh, Daphne frees her mom, and then Velma's like, alright, I'm gonna throw this spider drone at Bloom. Uh, and then it just goes through him, because he's a hologram. He's based on a model for ads in Japan. And we, we get a lot of shots of, like... Moon. <laughs> yeah, it's a bottle turned towards the camera, 
brought to you by. <laughs> and this is actually why Daphne had a moment of, wait a second, I recognize that face. Because yeah. she's seen him before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so they, they go onwards and uh, they, they find another room. Because they're like, all right, well, we got to find the, the, some other stuff. To, we gotta figure out who's behind it. Real quick, there was a there was a line in here where Velma was like, "He's a ghost," <laughs> and Daphne was the one to point out he's a hologram. <laughs> yeah, there's like a couple of moments towards like the back half of this movie where Velma says like, "It's a ghost," and Daphne's like, "No, why would a ghost need a chair? Ghosts don't have butts." <laughs> <sighs> but they leave the room. And they discover... They find Carol walking out of a tube. Carol? Carol? Uh, she tries to tell them that Bloom kidnapped her. Uh, sure, Carol. <laughs> but they realize, how could that happen? He's a hologram. Mm -hmm. And she's like, fine, it was me the whole time. I invented the phones, but I, they wouldn't let me run my company because I was a teen. So I just created a hologram. And, well, I needed more ideas to keep getting power and money and power and money. So I just started kidnapping kids. Uh, and Velma's like, wait, it's been years since that happened. How old are you? Rude. And I was like, I'm, I'm 26. Which is, okay. I looked it up. The actress that is the, was 26 at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I love most about this is that basically all of these characters are definitely, uh, uh, these actors are not teenagers at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so Carol's very, actress. Like Daphne Run Carol's actress does not hide her voice, though. <laughs> like, she doesn't try to go for a higher pitch. Mm. Also, she and is a month younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Daphne actually runs up like, wow, you look really good for 26. It, it's actually not that old. Yeah. Yeah. But she moisturizes. Yeah. Velma's like, but how and why? And it's like, well, I moisturize. Well, I guess maybe the why is more important then. And <laughs> then she gives the rundown about wanting power and money. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. Yep. Yeah. And then they can hear the sirens outside, and Daphne's like, it didn't have to be like this, Carol. Carol's like, you could just pretend this never happened and let me go. And Daphne's like, I was mostly just sort of saying that. <laughs> yeah, it does have to end like this. And Velma's like, I I'm glad it ended like this. <laughs> Velma's here to get revenge. Personally, I was hoping it would end like this. Uh, so next we cut like the next day to the school as the board gets unplugged finally and <laughs> literally unplugged from a single outlet yeah. <laughs> yep uh and griffith and griffith and his pals are like have a moral moment about how that ranking was like sort of you know causing them to be competitive within each other more so than they needed to be uh and, like a whole bunch of moral stuff about screens and competition and judging yourself too harshly yeah, you know, they they explain the moral of the story, <laughs> and then they do a really cool uh, hand gesture that shows that they're a team. Yeah, it's very cute. And Griffin Griffin was like, 
it was just nice knowing that I was number one for a change. And his boys are like, don't worry, dude. You're still number one to us. Yeah. <laughs> and then they they politely greet Daphne and Velma because they know they saved the day. Yep, and then uh, Daphne and Velma explain the mystery to Spencer and Michaela. Who are back to and normal. We get... Yes. Um, and we get a montage of people moving on. Uh, Velma gives Two Mop Maggie another mop. <laughs> Two Mop Maggie's like, a gift card would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a sec, oh my gosh, Two Mop Maggie was a scam. <laughs> she yes. she gets the kids to break the mops and then she gets gift cards from them so that she can buy her own stuff. Yes. Ooh, yeah. The school buys her the mops. Uh um so at the end of the movie Velma is sent a bunch of a file full of a bunch of mysteries from around the world, a computer file I should say. Um because then it starts virusing out and they're she... told to stay away. She opened it. On her main computer. She also said, like, I, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah. And one, she was, because they were encrypted, so she was trying to decrypt them. And then, like, a ghost appears on the computer. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But still, she could have opened it on a plain laptop. And yeah. not risked her entire setup. She has three monitors. Or, since she clearly doesn't care about them, she could have loaded it up into one of her robot children to Aww. see if they got possessed. Poor Max. Okay, all right, Lava. You say that she has three monitors. What if she has three computers? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, have you considered the the virus affects all three monitors? So I think it's just the one computer. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is like sort of like a hey, they're going to keep solving mysteries together type thing, and then yeah, we get the, the adventure continues. Yeah. Velma and Daphne will return in. <laughs> And Shaggy and Scooby wrestle the Mothman. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I actually really liked this movie. Yeah, I did too. It's good. I I liked it the first time. I live tweeted it the first time I watched it. It's it's good. It's very uh, nice and enjoyable. It's here's the thing I'm gonna say about it. I think it's got the exact energy that I want when someone tells me that they're making a Scooby Doo fan movie. And not the, but this time the monsters are real energy yeah. that everyone seems yeah. to want to do. Well, you know what? I feel like even if they did somehow do a this time the monsters are real in this one, that it wouldn't ruin it. Yeah, I... it would It would still be, it would be Spy Kids to the, the Island of Monsters. Yes! 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 <laughs> hey! What if what if I put Spy Kids on our list? Yes, I'm literally moving <laughs> over to it now. Kids and their dreams, comma lost. Uh, I'm putting it on the same list as has uh, Venom, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, and Spider Man Three. Oh, perfect! There are a lot of Spy Kids movies though, so we can have it on. I'm also gonna change uh, Spider Man Three to just be Spider Man. Nice. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's four Spy Kids movies and then a, a ten episode animated series. Goodness. Ooh. And would Shark Boy and Lava um, Girl fit in? But yeah, I. It sure would. <laughs> Is Shark Boy an animal sidekick? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. No, this um, movie, it's... See, okay, I will say the main mystery of the movie was kind of underwhelming because it's pretty obvious that Carol's up to something right from the hop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could say that, but also there were a lot of other options. Like red herrings and everything. Where... Like, they, do a, they do a pretty good job of setting up Griffith to be a red herring for mm-hmm. the, like for most of the first half. Yeah. So... so let me rephrase it. It's, they do a good job setting up Griffin to be a red herring. Once he's taken off the table, you pretty much know it's that Carol is behind it. So mm-hmm. then I think at that point you're just trying to figure out how does Tobias Bloom factor into it all. Yeah. Yeah. And which, to, in their defense, like that's pretty close to the end of the movie when they take uh, Griffith off the table. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pretty packed movie. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I would recommend I, watching it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me too. I think my favorite is that they have the same, they have the same appreciation for the source material that I would say Scoob does Mm -hmm. with things like they attempted to do the chase sequence and they have a few parts where even just the two of them, they do a Scooby stack around a corner Mm -hmm. and the whole eyes in the dark thing, they managed to pull that off in live action and it didn't look weird. Mm -hmm. It It was very bizarre, but it was fine. I also yeah. liked it. This um, little things like if you watch the shadowy figure at the beginning, he's clearly hunched over and walking. But all the subsequent appearances on the hoverboard is standing straight up, and it's because the dad busted his knee the first time he tackled the locker door closed, so he had to use the hoverboard to get around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, how would you say it compares to Scooby Doo two thousand two? That was the first live action, right? Yeah. Yes. I honestly think that they're very different movies for very different audiences. Yeah, very yeah. different flavors. But I think just because this one has a closer Scooby energy, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. manages to just get by 2002. Okay. Because I appreciate 2002 for what it tries to be, but it, part of it is it's trying to be something beyond just Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo 2002 also has a very good soundtrack. Yeah. I'll put that on my list of a potential soundtrack podcast. <laughs> Alright, how does this movie compare to Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase? That one I haven't seen, so that, that that's on y'all. Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen Cyber Chase. Um, hmm. I want to say that this one was better paced. From what I remember I from see Cyber that. Chase, like it felt like everything was happening too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have like it's been a while since we watched Cyber Chase. That was literally like the third movie we watched. Second movie. Second we watched. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's been it's been some time, but I I remember having similar thoughts on it's like pacing being weird, mm-hmm. um, and wanting it to spend more time on the concept of the cyber stuff, but it really just sort of montages through most of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie packs a lot of information in, but it's not overwhelmingly at like one specific point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
So it sounds like we're saying better. Yeah, I would say so. All right. How does this movie compare to Scoop? Exclamation point. I'm going to confess right now. Personally, Scoop yet. It's okay. Yeah. See, okay, so now in my in my corner, I actually I think I did like Scoob better. I do too. I I agree. Yeah. I think I definitely agree. Scoob is more solid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, how about compared to Scooby Doo and Where's My Mummy? Um, that's <laughs> the one where Velma is actually the villain the whole time. Yeah. Oh yeah. This that time the monsters were Velma. <laughs> that time the monsters were Velma. I um, think that that is the that's the only time I've been legitimately surprised by the reveal of a Scooby mm-hmm. villain for anything that you guys have talked about or that I've seen. So I actually think that Where's My Mummy does manage to top Daphne and Velma. I agree. I agree. I also like the the energy. It, like it leans into the fact that it's trying to ape the Indiana Jones and like the mummy style action movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So it, it sort of knows what it's going for, and I think it executes pretty well. Mm-hmm. All right. It's actually a very fun place for it to end its its hunt on on the list. Uh, how does this movie, Daphne and Velma, compare it to Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed? Huh. I could go either way on this one, Same. I think. I I could too. Um I I like some Okay, here's the thing. I think I like more of the jokes they do in this movie than I do of the jokes in Monsters Unleashed. You know what? I agree. I think this movie has a better hit ratio on its jokes. Um you can't really compare the mysteries because in Scooby-Doo 2 the monsters were real. Mhm. I agree with the jokes. I think the dialogue pacing is phenomenal in this movie. It's like there were moments, especially at the beginning with um, Daphne and her dad. It's like, I love their interaction. They're adorable. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll even go so far as to say, like, when you look at Velma's dialogue, that this movie has a very modern sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um in a way that we don't get to see often in Scooby-Doo media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the whole sort of like weird disaffected teenness of it mm-hmm. that's like ex- escalated to a certain degree. Um, but at the same time, Scooby-Doo 2 does have, I think that Coolsville sucks. <laughs> which is a banger of a joke. <laughs> I think it just squeaks by. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So your new number, what was that, seven? Number seven movie is Daphne and Velma. Uh, And the list currently stands as follows. Monster of Mexico. Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers, Scooby Goes Hollywood, Scooby-Doo and the Arabian Nights, Samurai Sword, Alien Invaders, Loch Ness Monster, Legend of the Vampire, Aloha Scooby-Doo, WrestleMania Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Pirates Ahoy, Moon Monster Madness, School School, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, Daphne and Velma, Where's My Mummies, Chill Out Scooby-Doo, Scoop, Goblin King, Witch's Ghost, and Camp Scare. Woo! 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 
So many movies. So many movies. Uh, I think that's all that's left is plugs. So if y'all would like to go ahead and do them. So Tanner, do you... Lindsay, you... Oh. Well, Lindsay, you might as well go first because you the only thing you need to plug is your own Twitter and then everything else I'm also on. Yeah. So I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and then me and Lindsay have a podcast together, as you may have noticed. It's called Not a Fire But You First, and it's a show where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. And you can find that on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not a Fire Reboot You First. They're pronounced NEARF! And then also alongside Lindsay, as well as her brother Ryan and our friend Duncan, we have a Pokemon tabletop actual play podcast called Pokemon Adventures of the Millennium. And that one is not for all ages. We do cuss. It's not dark and edgy, but it is mature in the sense that we all go to college at some point. Well, no, I guess Ryan didn't. He could. Anyways, that can be found on Twitter at PKMN underscore Millennium. And then also I have started a podcast with our friend Christina, and it's a Glee recap and rewatch and review and recoil podcast called Loser Like Me. And that can be found on Twitter at Loser Like Me Pod. Cassidy, you're going to be a guest on there in a few months. Yes, that's true. I've never seen an episode of Glee in my life. And that's the way we love it, because the Jake episode turned out great. Uh, Actually, Jake episode will probably be out by the time this comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jake is still scarred from that episode. (laughs) (laughs) But he managed to fix his Netflix, and that's the important part. Uh, do y'all have something that you want to plug that you are not involved with? I keep forgetting to do that when we have guests. I'm going to keep trying to do it when I can. I listen to many podcasts, so... But most of them are big. But there's a... Um, there's this great podcast that covers uh, true crime, history, weird stuff called Fat, French, and Fabulous. It's hosted by... Janelle, <clears throat> Janelle Como and Jessica Pijo. They are both French Canadian young ladies who are fabulously weird. It's great. They had an episode about Typhoid Mary recently. Hmm. Let me check what what are my podcasts that I listen to. Uh, here we go. One that I got into recently is called Control Group. That's control like on the keyboard CTRL group. And they're a group of BIPOC tabletop players that go through a variety of tabletop systems and to see how they work. And so I got into them because they're right now playing a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy campaign that uses the lasers and feeling system. But they've also, I think they've got a Game of Thrones homebrew system. They also did one with Pasión de, Paz- de las Pasiones. Uh, they did a whole Monster of the Week campaign, and they're very good and very funny. Nice. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, I think that's time for our plugs then. Uh, Lava, go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. And you can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. Um, we also have all of our archive stuff over at uh, kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com. Uh, 
I, I don't know if it'll ever be necessary. I don't know if we'll ever have more episodes than I can feasibly fit in a feed. Which, that was a string of words that I just managed to say it without tying up my tongue. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. I recently put out a tabletop game at time of recording. It's probably going to have been a few weeks by the time this comes out. Um... I also do other podcasts such as Precure Podcast Engage, which I do with Charlie, which is a Precure. It's a podcast where we try to watch the entire Precure franchise. Uh, and also Ben 10, and also Kathy, and also Yu Gi Oh! discussion, and also, like, I don't know. Who knows what we'll be doing next time we record? <laughs> uh, I also do RNGG, which is a randomly generated game design podcast that I do with my friend Crash, where we uh, randomly generate a game design idea and we have to pitch a concept based on it. I think that's everything. Oh, forgot to plug this on Not If I Reboot You first, but uh, I'm also currently, uh, as around the time that this is being released, uh, Apex City is still doing their year-long Hindsight 2020 event. Uh, Apex City is a Mask Actual Play podcast. Uh, and at the end of every month, they are releasing an episode of Hindsight. Um, and I take place in the I take part in the Silver Age part of that event. I play the character Dame Atlas, and those episodes have been coming out. Uh, let's see, the first one came out last month. The uh, next one will come out this month, and the last one that I'm in will come out in the month afterwards. Uh, it's pretty good. We go to space. Nice. Um, and I think that makes it everything. Uh, so next month we will be watching the movie Scooby-Doo Legend of the Phantosaur. That sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? But until then, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. And they're very sad robots. For shame! <laughs> <laughs>